This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Wednesday, June the 10th. It's draft day. Phillies picking 15th tonight in the Major League Baseball draft. We'll get to that coming up. A little bit later, just touch base on a couple names that could be interesting for the Phillies at number 15 and some excitement about the draft in general. Uh, first, as we've just really continually done, really the last week or so, is, as we keep hearing proposal after proposal and um, back and forth, and, and I think it is good that there is a dialogue, but we are getting to the point where it's getting close to a, a 50-game season being implemented by the commissioner, and we don't even know how that'll go over, but um, we'll continue to just kind of touch base on where we're at um, and potential options for what could happen. Um, starting out, Bob Nightingale. A Nightingale uh, uh, article today on USA Today talking about the situation we're in and saying time is running out. He says MLB commissioner could implement shortened season even without players' approval. So that's something that we've talked about, but we've not um, really dove into a lot. We've talked into the idea of a 50-game schedule, but the fact that it can be implemented, and I know that we've talked recently about the potential for the players to fight back against that. I don't think that would happen, but um, Nightingale's article, and then uh, Rosenthal, Ken Rosenthal gets that, uh, has a, a good idea for where this could end or how it should end, what Rob Manfred should offer the players that could get a deal done. But um, Nightingale's article, Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred may have no choice but to implement a shortened season of at least 50 games without the players' union's approval if the two sides can't reach an agreement within a week, three Major League Baseball executives told USA Today Sports. So we are staring down the barrel of the end of this here, one way or another, it appears. The article goes on. The executives requested anonymity because they were unauthorized to speak publicly with the sensitivity of the negotiations. Major League Baseball Players Association rejected Major League Baseball's latest proposal on Tuesday and countered with an 89-game schedule starting July 10th and ending October 11th that would pay the players their full prorated salary while also agreeing to an expanded postseason the next two seasons, which is a key point of it. We only talked about the expanded postseason for this year for two years, guaranteeing obviously more postseason revenue for the owners. The article goes on. MLB is expected to swiftly reject the union's proposal. While the players reduced their initial proposal from 114 games and $2.8 billion to $2.2 billion in total salaries, they're still about $900 million apart with the refusal to accept any pay cut from their prorated salaries. Major League Baseball made a formal offer on Monday to guarantee players 75% of their prorated salaries in a 76-game regular season ending on September 27th 
if the postseason is not canceled and 50% with no postseason. The union offered to accept a flat fee of $50 million if the postseason is canceled, while also proposing a $5 million contribution from a joint fund to provide assistance to minor leagues and to charitable organizations focused on, so, focused on social justice issues. That is nice. The article goes on. If we don't get an agreement real soon, this is going to be ugly, one high-ranking executive said. Real ugly. And it's just going to get worse. And that's that's the concern, right? I mean, the idea that Manfred can implement a 50-game season without the player's approval is a, a sticky situation. Um, it seems like he does have some ability to do this, but at the same time, as we discussed yesterday in the ESPN article, the players could theoretically push back on that. We don't know if they would, but... It could become a fight, an even bigger fight. The article goes on. The fear without an agreement between the two sides is that several of the game's biggest stars may decide to simply sit out the season, believing it's not worth the health risk while receiving only about 33% of their annual salary to play. That's obviously an issue because not only is a 50-game season a sham to begin with, can you imagine a 50-game season without five of the league's 20 best players playing because they, the, for whatever reason, you know? A lot of issues here. The article goes on. One owner says that he's already been informed that several of his players indicated they wouldn't play this year under those conditions, forfeiting their salary this season while not receiving service time. While receiving service time. In Major League Baseball's last proposal Monday to the union, it permitted players to opt out of the season with only players considered high risk to COVID-19 still paid while receiving service time. Yet with no agreement, perhaps no player who opts out will get paid. Major League Baseball is requesting permission from the union to expand the postseason from 10 to 16 teams with potentially 65 playoff games worth about $1 billion in TV revenue. Yet without the union's approval, they would be relegated back to their old format. It would eliminate an extra round and now have more than 33 postseason games and keep their postseason share at $777 million. The union also had promised to participate in a postseason all-star game home run derby while permitting frequently mic'd up events for broadcasts uh, those enhancements would also disappear if no agreement is reached these are all you know, reasons to reach an agreement obviously it goes on oh and considering all the bitterness and hostility between the sides during the coronavirus pandemic do you really believe things will go smoothly next year when they reach an agreement on when they must reach an agreement by december 1st 2021 on a new collective bargaining agreement obviously not bob <laughs> i agree with you on that we talked about that yesterday that you know, no matter what happens here, we're in for another rough set of negotiations coming up the end of 2021. I mean, you know, this is not helping. It goes on. The union has been setting aside money from players licensing checks for a reason, preparing for a potential work stoppage next winter. This could be the sequel of the summer of 94, only this time without Cal Ripken breaking Lou Gehrig's consecutive playing streak and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa's home run chase to save it. Not great. It would virtually assure another 18 months of hostility. The free agent market could collapse with owners saying their losses would prevent them from bidding on players, which I think might happen regardless, at least to a certain level. Um, moving on, uh, he says, uh, Nightingale says, fans so disgusted by everyone's behavior could turn their back on the sport and stay away for good, even when ballparks open deciding to spend their money on other entertainment and that's that is a real worry again i know we've talked about that but the more i the more this drags on i saw peter gammons peter gammons the the pope of baseball the legend peter gammons say that he would be done with baseball if they can't reach an agreement here and i i don't know if it's it's forever or whatever but peter gammons they're pushing peter gammons mr baseball to the brink it's not good Eric goes on there will be there will be baseball with an agreement or not 
with Manfred having the power to implement a season with players receiving their full prorated salary. He could attempt to appease the union by playing at least 70 games. If the season started July 10th and ended September 27th before the postseason, there would still be 80 days on the calendar. Yet the owners prefer a shorter season, as few as 48 games, insisting they will lose $640,000 per team for each regular season game played. Open your books and prove it, what I say, but... Um, that's why they want to conclude the season by September 27th. The two sides have perhaps another week of negotiations before it's in Manfred's hands. He's given the two sides 76 days to work out an agreement. And although the two sides have made movement, they still are barely closer to reaching a deal than at the start of the pandemic. Manfred will make sure there is baseball. He has the power to do that. He just can't control how anyone will think about the game again. And... Along those lines, I mean, the idea that, you know, Rob Manfred can force baseball, that's great. Rob Manfred has done a horrendous job in this whole process. Rob Manfred is supposed to be a deal maker. That was his, his legacy and under Bud Selig is, as the number two. Like, he's a guy who gets things done. That's what he was known as. And now as the commissioner, 76 days They've had to argue about this, and we are nowhere near a deal. And, and the sport has, has looked as, as ugly and dirty in front of America as it possibly could in the worst of times. This guy's at, at the, the, the head of this. I feel like no matter what happens here, the way this has played out, Rob Manfred's commissionership has been a disaster. And I expect it to, to not get much better if this is the situation we're in coming the end of December 2021. And I, you know, look, it's hard to get rid of a commissioner, as we know. So um, I'm not optimistic. I'm, I'm very disappointed. I've never been a huge Bob Manfred fan. There are certainly people who hate him more than I do. Um, there are certainly people who love him a lot more than I do. But I did buy into the idea that he was a deal maker throughout this whole process. All we've ever heard about Rob Manfred is how he gets things done. Well, what now? What now when you're the, the, the face of this sport as the commissioner? And you can't get these two sides anywhere close. I mean, what kind of sway do you have as a commissioner? I know you, you know, work for the owners and there's all that aspect to it, but you're the commissioner of baseball. You're the, the face of this situation right now. You're the one we're all talking about. And you're the commissioner. You don't have the sway or the power to move anyone off their spot, anyone in a certain direction. You don't have the sway to bring people together, to bring these sides together in any way, shape, or form. And instead, you just let the owners... Put all this stuff in the media and you let the, 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 these two sides go back and forth in a public arena in front of the world. Horrendous job by Rob Manfred, and I am not bullish about the rest of his commissionership and certainly not now. Ken Rosenthal, speaking of Manfred, had a, uh, a really good article uh, today on The Athletic. Um, giving what he believes should be the proposal that could get baseball restarted. And I think it's worth diving into. Uh, the title of the article is, Here's the Proposal Rob Manfred Should Make to Get Baseball Started. This is from Rosenthal. He says, Know what I would do if I were Commissioner Rob Manfred? Propose a 72-game season with the players receiving their full prorated salaries and dare the Players Association to say no. The cost will be about $20 more million per team than the 50-odd game season Manfred might impose if no agreement is reached, and the benefits might be worth much more. I would argue would be much more. And again, let's think about that. $20 million per team. Like, $20 million is a lot of money. We know that. But at the same time, $20 million per team is also signing one guy less than Bryce Harper. I mean, this is not—it's a lot of money. I'm not 
demeaning what 20 million is, but in terms of a major league baseball team, a, an industry that generated 10 billion in profit in 2019 alone, 20 million per team is not that big an ass comparatively. Um, the article goes on. An 81 game schedule probably is unrealistic considering Major League Baseball's desire to conclude the regular season on September 27th and postseason by the end of October. But 72 games would be close to a normal half season and certainly better than 50 odd games, which would be a third or less. The players would be settling for 42 games less than their original 114 game proposal and 17 less than their newest 89 game offer. But they could say they held the line on their full prorated salaries and the owners could say they compromised to stage a longer, more legitimate season and secure at least temporary labor peace. Off the cuff, this feels like a no-brainer. And obviously, I think for right now, it seems like the player's biggest issue is they want their prorated salary. For the owners, it's less games. This is a nice spot in the middle where 72 games is not a great season, but it's better than 50. And again, I think the owners in this whole process have really, really undervalued the public perception of the sport and what it means to the future of the sport. I think they have been such prisoners of the moment and of this negotiation that they have been incredibly short-sighted with the way they've handled it for the future of their sport, the sport where they own this team in perpetuity. The players, it's, it's you know, you're, you're walking out for future generations of players, but these guys are anywhere from one year, two years, three years, four years to, to 15, 20 max. Like, this is not forever. The owners could be. And, and they're the ones who are really losing out here for the long-term future of the sport. Um, it goes on. The league's most recent offer, 76 games with the players receiving 75% of their prorated salaries if the postseason is completed and 50% if it is not, is nowhere near what I'm suggesting. In fact, using Major League Baseball's originally project, original projected player compensation of $4.37 billion for 2020, my 72-game idea would cost the owners about $400 million more than the maximum amount of the league's proposal and about $600 million more than a 50-game season at full prorated pay. Lots of money, and the owners say they are already losing lots of money, though the key part of that sentence is the owners say they don't show going on. But when, considering the average cost would be about $13 million more per club under the league's current 76-game proposal, it doesn't sound as daunting, right? And that's what I was saying before. He goes on. The owners remain in the game longer than the players. Oh, that sounds familiar. What I just say? Right? I mean... Right? Does that not matter that this is the law? They will be around to recoup losses for a long time. And again, they're the ones who are going to have to suffer if the future of the sport is harmed even more. Anyway, the owners remain in the game longer than the players, giving them time to recoup their losses and profit from the resale value of their clubs, which, by the way, keep going up. They might say they cannot afford the additional expenditures in a season that will at least start with parks empty or limited capacity, but they, can, they afford, can they afford the alternative? That's the point I'm making here. Great question from Rosenthal. I think they are such prisoners of this moment and of the money they're losing right now, and we don't even know what it is, but it's all about right now instead of thinking about the impact on the game for the future and on their club, on their asset for the future, I think is incredibly, incredibly short-sighted. It goes on. Consider what the owners might gain if they achieve a negotiated settlement and what they might lose if the parties fail to strike a deal. Expanded playoffs for the next two seasons, which the union offered in both its proposals, but likely would nix if Manfred took unilateral action, even though the players would stand to gain long-term from revenue that enabled the owners to reduce their losses. 
That's a big deal. And, and uh, to that point, if Manfred institutes a 50-game season and forces the players to play, all these concessions that the owners would have been got, getting if they could come to some sort of deal, again, we're in this case $13 million less per club to get these concessions as opposed to or more per club to get these concessions as opposed to not getting anything. A baseline number of commitments the union proposed for broadcast enhancements, including in-game microphone usage and special programming away from the ballpark and the possibility of an off-season home run derby or all-star game. Those are huge. Again, opportunities for baseball to make money, for baseball to grow, that the players would be willing to do if you work with them. More. A potential resolution to the question of whether players would maintain the right to pursue damages if they believe MLB failed to adequately fulfill its obligations to player health during the COVID-19 pandemic. That is a, a big point here. Again, we've talked all the time about how safety and health should be the number one priority. It's clearly number two to money with baseball for some absurd reason. Um, but... The players agreeing to say that there's going to be no repercussions for whatever happens since they're taking these risks with their house, I think is a, would be a big deal for the owners. You would think, right? Like, that sounds like something the owners should want. You're inviting so many issues down the road if you don't get this type of deal. More. They would also be losing out on the avoidance of a likely grievance by the union, which might accuse the league of not making a good faith effort to play as many games as possible, which I think is fair, as we've talked about. I mean... At no point do I think the owners have really negotiated in good faith this entire time, not once giving the players an, uh, any sort of proposal that even inches towards what they've been asking for. Uh, the union would seek financial damages, and the process alone would be costly. It's a big deal. And again, we talked about that yesterday, too. The idea that if Commissioner Manfred, if it comes to the point where he just implements a 50-game season, even if the players play it, they can fight back legally. And they can fight back legally and say, we're not playing. And it could just go into court, and it's a whole disaster. Regardless, it's the type of fight they don't need more. They'd be missing out on a season long enough for the league to skirt criticism from fans and players that it's settled for fewer games and less competitive integrity. Another big deal. You know, again, I think 76 is still a shammy season. A 50-game season is a straight-up sham. It's a joke. It's a joke. We talked about it yesterday, the idea that Washington Nationals, the World Series champs, were 19-31 and 31 through 50 games last year. That's all you need to hear. Um... They would also lose out on a reduction in animosity with players, well, at least to some extent, as the parties prepare for collective bargaining negotiations as the current CBA expires December 1st, 2021. I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. I don't think that any deal they come to now is going to decrease the acrimony or animosity between these two sides. It's there. It's real. If they couldn't inch closer to each other when all that's happening in the world around them and the need for baseball back, I don't see why it's going to create any better sort of situation for December 1st. But I, I guess it's at least theoretically possible. Uh, the article finishes out. The value of expanded postseason is believed to be at least tens of millions in broadcast revenue. The other elements are less quantifiable, but in theory should carry considerable weight. As one player agent asked, why would the owners unilaterally schedule such a season and not get those things when they could make a pro rata offer for X amount of games and get all those things? Yes. What a, what a, perfect way to succinct to succinctly put it the owners if 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 it's going to be a 50 game season that man if you're playing a season like you know forgetting the owners are like i don't even want to play this year because i'm going to lose so much money okay um forgetting those guys like the idea that Manfred's going to implement a season no matter what so again we're talking about 13 million more per club or 20 million more per club depending on the the the, the games that are played the number to get all these other things back 
all this value in return instead of forcing people to show up playing a season that's a sham that everyone considers a sham and doesn't take seriously, but then you're also not getting all these concessions. That's what I don't understand. Like, the players have offered things up this most recent offer. Again, the expanded playoffs is a big deal for two years. Like, that matters to the owners. That's money in their pocket. If they're crying poor, that helps. Why not come to a deal and get things instead of just forcing the players to play and getting nothing? It makes so much sense. The... Rosenthal says, though, of course, to end the article, he says, the reason, of course, is money. Some owners also might want to humble the union, but at some point, the parties will need to repair the relationship. Might as well start now for the good of the sport. Um, the idea that any owners in this situation are just trying to humble the union is so upsetting, and I pray that that is not the case because that would be an embarrassment that if we're at this point in this situation, they're just saying, oh, we're going to humble these guys while the world burns around us. Uh, it's just embarrassing and i really hope that's not the case all right um to some more positive stuff the mlb draft is tonight starting at seven o'clock um the phillies with the 15th pick um obviously it is impossible to know who's going to be there at 15 a couple names uh jack fritz and i had keith law on the high ups podcast you want to check that out it was a really fun discussion and um a couple names that we fired at law and that uh, you know jack has been positive very very positive about um, two names in particular I wanted to bring up here, and again, uh, now that I say these two names, it probably won't be either of them, but um, one hitter, one pitcher I want to mention. Uh, the pitcher, which Jack has talked about a lot on social media and all that, but is Nick Bitsko, CVE so Nick Bitsko. Um, high school pitcher, 17, hammer arm, like a power arm, throws hard, zip on the ball, only 17. Jack looks at him as the kind of guy who would be a top five pick next year if he had stayed the extra year to, um, he was able to file early for the draft. Um, local kid, you would think that as far as it goes, the Phillies might actually be able to have seen him pitch where other teams might not. Um, the Phillies do not have a, a history of drafting high school pitchers in the first round. That is not something they ever seem to do organizationally, but um, they need young arms. I think we know that. I, I'm generally, when it comes to the draft, more of a draft hitters, sign pitchers type of guy. Um, so many risks for a pitcher to get to the major league ball, major leagues as opposed to a hitter, more injuries, all that type of stuff, arm, all that stuff. Um, it's just harder uh, to, to project that. Um, but Bitsko seems legit, and having a young hammer arm in the, the system would be really cool. And the other guy is a shortstop. I know they took Bryson Sott last year as a shortstop, but he's four years younger. He's a high school shortstop, Ed Howard. Ed Howard, first of all, it's a, just a great baseball name. Ed Howard feels like a baseball player, doesn't he? Um, this kid's 18, uh, will stick at shortstop. Um, has a serious bat with a lot of potential. Um, he's the kind of guy who I think would be a steal if he gets to 15. It does seem that there is the potential for that if you look at mock drafts and all that stuff. I like Ed Howard. I like what I've watched of him. I like what I read about him. Um, and I, I am a, of the believer uh, of the belief that you can never have enough talented shortstops in your system. I'm not a, oh, you can't drop someone because you're blocking the position. I don't believe in that to begin with, especially because – as we all know, with the Major League Baseball draft, a lot of these guys aren't going to pan out, the vast majority. So there's no reason to say, oh, well, we're sure this guy's going to work, so we're not going to take the better player. I think that's crazy. And then more so just shortstop, the most important defensive position in the game. And having young shortstops, young, talented shortstops is a um, always, in my opinion, uh, uh, an advantage in baseball, marketing and efficiency to take advantage of. Um, so Ed Howard and Nick Bitsko, those are my two guys. We'll see how it actually pans out. It'll be fun. Um, to have a new Philly to get excited about, obviously. Um, 
you know, we've had some some success in the first round last year. I mean, Nola, obviously, the real success. But it looks like Alec Baum is going to be a legitimate player for this team. I'm, I'm pretty excited about Baum. Adam Hazley, at least a major league quality player, it looks like. So um, a little more success the last few years than in years past. And it looks like Bryson Stott's pretty good. I, I think um, there's a lot of potential there as well. So uh, as you know, if you've listened to the show this year, earlier in the year when we talked a lot more Phillies, but just in general, I... Player development, I think the number one area the Phillies need to improve on. Um, and bringing Brian Barber in to be the new scouting director, I think, helps. Um, but this is going to be the first we get to see of it. And I think it's going to be incredibly important that this team make the right decisions and, and hit on some picks, especially early picks, because they need that young talent. I mean, Baum and Howard are really the only two guys in this system who you feel 100% great about. I mean, you're excited about Stott. There are other guys in the system, but these are the two. They have two top 50 prospects. That's it. Two top 30 guys. That's it. Um, stacking some some young upside talent is is incredibly important, and I'm excited to see what they do. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. We'll definitely react to who they pick and what we know of them. Hopefully it's Howard Abitsko. If not, I'm sure it'll be someone that uh, I will read about and tell you about, and it'll be fun, um, and I'll do my research, and we'll, we'll have fun with that. And we'll continue to see where this goes, as it does seem like, as we talked about, with the deadline really legitimately approaching, at least till Manford makes a decision, um, I feel like there's going to be a lot of action the next week, back and forth, and, and public negotiations. It's all been public, so we'll see where that goes and continue to cover that as well. So until tomorrow, thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.